0: Psalms chapter 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. You have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before thy presence this morning asking that, Lord, you would hear our humble plea. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning concerning the fool who saith in his heart, There is no God. Lord, I pray that You'd help us as Thy children to be reminded that we were once such fools. Born in sin and depravity, with atheism within our hearts, we were at enmities with God until Christ came and drew us unto Himself. Lord, I pray that God, You would open up the hearts and minds of those this morning who are yet fools who say within their hearts, there is no God. I pray, Lord God, that You'd show mercy and grace. Lord, reveal Yourself to them like You did to Your children. I pray most of all this morning, dear Lord, that You'd be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done. For we ask these things in Thy precious name. Amen and amen. I had every intention, which has happened often, but I had every intention of preaching on another text this morning, which, Lord willing, I will attempt to do next week, but as I was meditating on God's Word this past week, these words of the psalmist so engrossed and captivated my heart and my thoughts that I could not escape them. Every morning as I drove to work while the sun was still settled and the night sky was bright with stars, these words came often to my mind as I gazed upon the stars and the moon in heaven. That the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They troubled me. For imagine if you can A world wherein there is no God. A universe which has no creator. A place where the sun, the moon, and stars has no order. And where mankind was not created in the image of God, but was merely a freak accident of nature. Imagine that everything around us and throughout the entire universe had no real purpose, no design, no true meaning. Imagine there was no Savior, no heaven, no hell, no final judgment. All these things And even more are implied with the words of the fool in his heart. There is no God. As I pondered these words, while I observed the heavens and the stars, I was greatly troubled. For countless are the men, women, and children who say within their hearts, there is no God. Yet sinful man would wish nothing more than to live in a world where there was no God. A world where there is no true order, no accountability, no fear of coming judgment in righteousness. So that he might live out all his sinful pleasures even if but for a few fleeting moments, then simply perish into oblivion. That's the fool's desire. To live in a world where there is no order, no authority, no purpose. To live out all the sinful pleasures for the few moments he has in his present life, and then to merely perish into oblivion, never to exist again. never having to face a righteous, holy, and just God who shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. This is the desire of the fool of which the psalmist speaks in this 14th chapter. Therefore, such a man who holds a thought, or this thought, the Scripture declares unequivocally, a fool. He's a fool. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament His handiwork, day unto day at earth knowledge and night unto night. Yet man is a fool. Therefore then let us examine more closely the man God's Word declares to be a fool Notice, first of all, what the fool's heart saith. Verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Those are four terrifying words. There is no God. This is the man Scripture declares to be a fool. A madman. Insane. Though these words of a fool extend to all forms of atheism, denying the very existence of God, these words primarily imply a denial or rejection of God's sovereign authority to rule, to govern or judge the whole world. This is what they primarily imply. It speaks when it says there is no God of Elohim, not Jehovah, Elohim, a covenant-keeping authoritative God. In other words, the fool is not saying he doesn't believe in the existence of God, but he rejects the idea that he has sovereign authority to rule and govern and judge the whole world. That's what this fool is implying in his heart. There's a difference. Even though it's all rooted in atheism, the psalmist implies that this fool rejects God's sovereign authority. Now, I want you to follow me closely this morning because I really want you to understand exactly what the psalmist is saying here and we'll see shortly that we are all born as fools. We are all born sinful, in depravity, with atheism reigning in our hearts by nature. Yet in our text, the psalmist would say, the fool rejects the authority of God. Not so much his existence. Job 21 says, what is the Almighty that we should serve Him? That's the fool at heart. The verse professes there's an Almighty. What is the Almighty? But the rejection comes when He said that we should serve Him. Who is this God? This Almighty? Even grants Him the title of Almighty. And yet His heart says that we should serve Him. Pharaoh foolishly replied, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? Pharaoh and the Egyptians wished uh, witnessed the mighty powers of God and all the plagues. And yet he had the audacity to say, Who is this Lord that I should obey His voice? This is what the fool says in his heart. Listen to me this morning, because this is the vast majority of mankind today. They will not deny the existence of God, or that there is a Creator to most extent, but they will certainly reject His authority over them to rule and govern and judge. Who is this God that I should obey Him? I'm getting ahead of myself, but even in the false gospel today, this form of atheism has infiltrated the gospel, making it a false gospel. Because many say, oh, I believe in a Savior, but he's not Lord of my life. I'm saved, but I can still live the way I want to. He has no authority in my life. You can't judge me. I'm a Christian. I made a profession of faith. It doesn't matter if I go out and drink and get drunk or curse. It doesn't matter if I commit adultery or this or that. I'm once saved, always saved. So it's infiltrated the gospel, making it a false gospel, as we'll see shortly. In Psalms 12, the flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things say, with our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own, it says. Who is Lord over us? says the flattering lips and the proud tongue. Who is Lord over us? It's not that sinful man would reject, though there are some that proclaim they do. It's not that sinful man would reject reject the existence of God, but he rejects His divine sovereignty and authority, which is in essence to reject God. The church has so been guilty of corrupting the gospel and the truths of God And again, this spirit of atheism of which the psalmist speaks in chapter 14 of Psalms has infiltrated the church in many forms and fashions and many times the preaching of the gospel. They don't present a God who commands you to obey the gospel. They present a God that says, believe the gospel and then live the way you want to. It doesn't matter as long as you're saved. That is a form of atheism and it's not a true gospel. The first manifestation of this atheism was seen in Adam's first offspring after his fall when God commanded of Cain, where is Abel thy brother? That was a commandment. To which Abel or Cain rebelliously replied, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Who are you to question me? That was the very first manifestation of this atheism, this fool who says in his heart there is no God. <laughs> I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Who are you to question me? The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Like I said, many there be who would not deny the existence of God, yet who reject God's sovereign authority to govern, rule, and judge the world, this man declares the psalmist is a fool. People today feel safe if they just acknowledge the existence of God, yet reject His authority. Well, the Scripture calls you a fool. You can't accept the existence of God and not accept and submit yourself to His authority. That's not the God of Scripture. And yet how many professing believers today live that kind of life? Don't we see it and experience that every day on the work, on the job, and with our families and friends? Oh, I, I believe in God. I go to church occasionally when I'm not sleeping in or when I have nothing else to do. And I I don't read my Bible and I don't pray, but I still believe there's a God. That's not sufficient. You can't judge me for that. No, I don't, but the Scripture does. You see, in many ways, the church today, and I say that very Scarcely or cautiously have portrayed or preached a gospel, a Christ, a God who has no authority over people's lives. Christ has come to save you so you can live the life you want to live. You can live the life you choose. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter if you obey God. It matters not at all. Well, I'm telling you, Scripture has something else to say about that. The psalmist says you're a fool if you don't believe in the authority of God to govern, to rule, and to judge all the world. That's why I say the spirit of atheism, of which the psalmist speaks in Psalm 14, has infiltrated and corrupted the preaching of the gospel so that much of the preaching of the gospel today is corrupted. There's been a phrase come out over the years that uh, has been vehemently opposed by many who profess Christianity, and the debates and arguments have been long, and many, concerning the Lordship, salvation, and I'm not going to get into that debate this morning. Yet I'm telling you, the true gospel does not present a Savior who is not also to be your Lord. did not say that. And yet we live in a generation to where many so-called churches have done exactly that. They present a Savior, but He doesn't have to be Lord. How could He not be Lord? Even in the confession of faith, when we with our mouth confess and with our hearts believe unto righteousness, Romans, even with that, I'm telling you, you have to have an understanding that He's Lord, that He's God. I am tired of people saying you don't need to know that when you confess Christ. You just have to know you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. No, you have to know He's God. I am tired of this flippant gospel that says it doesn't matter if you know He's God or not. You've got to know He's God. That's part of the gospel. He's God. He's not just a man who came down, died on the cross, so you could be saved from your sins, go to heaven and live in this present life the way you want to. There has to be a certain amount. There has to be a measure of understanding that the Lord is God. And yet the church over the years, and I say it flippantly, loosely, has done away with that. Why? Because in their heart, deep bred in our nature, we despise Him being God, Elohim. Authority, one who governs and rules and judges all things, who commands us to love Him. The great commandment is not obey God. The great commandment is to love God. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. And yet we've so misrepresented the gospel today that that's why we have so many people today going to churches who profess with their lips the Lord Jesus Christ, yet in their hearts they deny Him. They deny His authority. If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Is that so difficult to understand? Oh, well, you've got to understand you can love God, but, you know, he, he, he wants you to keep your commandments, but you're not required to. No, He says, if you love Me, keep My commandments. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says the same sense in what the psalmist is saying, Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They profess that they know God. They profess they know God. But in works they deny Him. Sounds like the psalmist, the corrupt. But in works they deny Him. Be him abominable. Sounds like Psalm 14. And disobedient. It's amazing that disobedience is involved in there. And that every good work reprobate. Sounds like Psalm 14. Oh, they profess they know God. But Titus says, but in works they deny Him. They're abominable. They're disobedient. And that every good work a reprobate. God rejects a love that will not keep His commandments. For it is a fool's Love, according to Psalm chapter 14. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God. Oh, don't stop there. With what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Everything. God does not accept a love unless it is fully and solely, heartedly set on Him. Everything. He's everything. Why are we telling people different? Why are we resting the word of God? Because man rejects God's authority. You know, Thessalonians says God is going to return in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, nor obey the gospel. It's amazing that he says, obey the gospel. Though the gospel is in some form an invitation, it's an invitation with commandment. Now we know that God must do all the drawing. I'm not going to get into the sovereignty of God and salvation, but it is still an invitation, one with commandment. It's not one given with an open policy. (laughs) You can come and get saved and then do and live the way you want to. It doesn't work that way. He that saith, I know him. 1 John 2. He that saith, sounds like Psalm 14, huh? The fool saith. 1 John 2. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, in his heart. God looketh for truth in the inward part, in the heart. So it sounds like Psalm 14 again. Here's a fool. For he saith that he knows him, but he keeps not his commandments. John goes further and says, you're a liar. And the truth is not in him. Look at Psalm chapter 10. Psalm chapter 10. Beginning in verse 1. Why standest thou far off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they are, that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth in his heart's, desi- of his heart's desire. There it is again. The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Sounds like Psalm fourteen. Will not seek after God. God is not in all his. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Why are the wicked so bold in their sinfulness? Because they say in their hearts, there's no God. There's no authority. God is not someone who reigns and rules and governs the universe and the world judges the whole world. They reject that. Let me tell you something. This is so deeply embedded into our nature, dear, dearly beloved, and I'm going to get to that in closing, but it, it takes nothing short of divine intervention to change that heart. That's why it's a new birth and a new heart. That's why the psalmist says uh, in his heart, he says, there's no cause. The fool has said, now we need to pay attention to this, in his heart there is no God. Now that's important. The fool has said in his heart. The psalmist doesn't say with his lips or his mouth, but he says in his heart. Are you following me? For though he might profess the existence of God with his lips and confess him with his mouth, The psalmist says in his heart he rejects his sovereign authority to rule and govern. In his heart. You see, the heart speaketh louder to God than the lips and the mouth. Do you know that? God looketh upon the heart. Oh, the seat of all our affections. That's why when you hear people say, well, I profess Christ or I profess Christianity or I go to church, but I just don't, I don't follow the strict rules that you do. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't read the scriptures. I don't pray. I don't, you know, I, I, I you know, good, I drink a little and I curse a little and I do this a little and I sin a little and I have bad jokes. But that's not, I'm saved. That's all that, no, in his heart, See, his heart, his heart is seen in his actions, what Roman says, and we'll see that later. Roman says with confession, with the mouth confession is made, and with the heart man believes under righteousness. With the mouth confession is made. But it's from a heart. <laughs> it's with the heart man confesses under righteousness. The heart. God sees the heart. Our Lord said it himself in Matthew chapter 15. He said, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. They draw nigh unto him. This is, this is a sermon of itself. These, these, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips. Outwardly, men say, that's commendable. You draw nigh unto God with your mouth, you honoreth him with that, That's commendable. But he adds some. He says, but their heart is far from me. You see, it's not what one professes with his mouth. It's what one has in his heart. Big difference. You see, salvation is not a conformity of the outward. It's a renewing of the heart. You follow me? It's a renewing of the heart. Man, do you know what? Man can get very religious. Do you know that? It's almost fearful how religious a a sinful man can be. Remember the Lord said, you Pharisees are like whited sepulchers on the outside. Everybody looks at you and says, man, that's a holy man. That's a holy righteous. But He said, inwards, you're full of dead man's bones. It's very, very (sighs) easy for the flesh to get religious. But God looketh at the heart That's why the psalmist says he might fool others with his lips and his mouth, but in his heart he's saying there is no God. And what's he saying? He does not have the right to rule and reign over me. He has not the right to govern me. You Christians, you have all these laws, do's and don'ts. Yes, we have laws. And they're not grievous to us. They're the commandments of God. Do you know that? Men honor and respect the words which flow from the lips or mouth. Yet God hears and honors only the words which come from the heart. That's why in Romans 10, Paul says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You see? With the heart man believeth unto right. With the heart man believeth. It's the heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see how the mouth follows? It's the heart. Proverbs 23 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. He thinketh in his heart. The world today, and many so-called churches today, Has so corrupted the gospel and the truths of God that they have sought to do away with this Elohim, this God, this He has the right to sovereignly rule and govern and judge the whole world. They've completely done away with that or they've whitewashed it to where people don't, they don't even bring it up. They say it's okay, it doesn't matter. In their efforts to see the church filled and the congregations full, They've done away with that. Why? Because deep and bred in our sinful nature is this spirit of atheism that rejects the authority of God. They don't so much reject His existence because that's almost impossible. But they reject His authority. And so therefore, in their efforts to get the pews full, they do away with that. What do you call me, Lord? Lord. And do not what I say unto you. Why do you call me Lord? Lord? As he think it's in his heart, so is he. People reject that authority. That's why the psalmist calls him a fool. You know, this is not the testimony of man. It's the testimony and witness of God who looks down from heaven upon the children of men. Look at verse 2. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and see God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Psalm 53 stakes almost everything it says in Psalms 14. and Romans, Paul says the same thing. Three times in Scripture. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, my work shall be established three times in Scripture. It says, God says, I've looked down to heaven. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. They've all gone astray. He puts every single individual human being in the same boat. They are all together. He combines them together. They have all together become filthy, stinky. That's what filthy means. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Beloved, do you understand? Or do you realize that practical atheism is the very root of human depravity? It's at the very root of human depravity. It is embedded into our nature at birth because of the fall of Adam. Do you know that Adam went from believing and walking with God, a heart full of love for God, all the way to atheism? Do you realize that's how far man has fallen? Atheism is not something you learn, though people teach it. Atheism it into our nature at birth. That's the depravity of man. We're born with an enmity towards God. David said, I was born in sin. So the psalmist actually describes every man, woman, and child ever born into this world. We're born with atheism. And nothing short <clears throat> excuse me, nothing short of divine intervention, a new birth by the spirit of God, a new heart created by God can remove this dark and devastating corruption. That's why we need to be born again. Nicodemus, Lord, we know you're from God, because no one could do the works that you do. And the Lord said, "Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. I don't care if you know I'm from God." Most churches today would say, Hey, Nicodemus, you're born again. Let's baptize you and make you a deacon next week. No. He said, I don't care if you know I'm from God. You've got to be born again. You don't understand. You've you've been born with a heart full of depravity, a heart full of atheism. He admitted the existence of God. He was a religious man. He even admitted that he knew Christ was from God, but that wasn't enough. You've got to be born again. Nothing can remove this heart of atheism that's embedded deep into the heart of sinful man without a new birth. Therefore, you must be born again. You might be able to conform the outward side of you. You might be able to conform outwardly to religion. You might stop sinful habits. You might go to church. You might even begin reading scripture. You might do all those things. What is the condition of your heart with God? Do you love God? That's why we said before the absence of loving God is proof that you're not saved. If you don't love God, you can't be saved. The absence of love to God alone proves your depravity. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. They are all gone aside, they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's not man's testimony and witness. That's God who looks down upon men. There's not one. The parables of the tares, the goats, the five foolish virgins, those who profess to say, Lord, Lord, yet whom the Lord never knew. Beloved, all these divine truths and more bear witness to the fool in this psalm. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Time doesn't avail me to go into this whole chapter, but you ought to read it and study it a little bit. Meditate on it today, because it's kind of a contradiction to this fool, because look at verse 4. Though he says there's no God, look at his reactions towards the righteous. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? Eat up my people. You see the animosity they have towards the children of God? You know why we have it so rough in this world? It's because the world hates us. He says he eats up my people as bread. You read something like that in Psalms this morning. Spoke about a fool in the Psalms this morning. Now watch this. There were they in great fear. Who? The fool. <clears throat> that said there's no God. Why? for God is in the generation of the righteous. They say they don't believe in God, but they are sure envious and angry at the at the godly. The fool says there's no God, but he's angry at the righteous because he knows God is in their midst Watch out, for 6. You have shamed the counsel of the poor. Why? Because the Lord is refuge. They're acknowledging that God is with the righteous, that God is with the poor. They're acknowledging that there's a God there, but they still refuse to submit themselves to His authority. Oh, but, uh, beloved, be encouraged, verse 7. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. It's It's coming. It's coming. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of His people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. You notice Jacob and Israel is the same person. Jacob shall rejoice and be wrestled against the Lord. Israel was His new name. Israel shall be glad. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Yet one day, all the world and every man, woman, and child shall bow their knee and confess that He's what? That He's Lord. not that amazing? That He's Lord. Why? Because they didn't accept that before. Oh, He might exist, but He's not Lord. No, they will confess and say, you're Lord. God so you see we live in a world today as always it's always been that way but we live in a world today where there are a multitude of fools according to scripture those who profess with their lips that God exists those even profess to be of God yet in their hearts deny Him. They reject Him. They reject His authority, His sovereign power to govern, to rule, reign, and judge the whole world. I'll accept a God, but not one that has authority over my life. Well, then you have not submitted yourself to God. May God give us grace. And maybe sometime this week when you... Daytime's okay, but nighttime's exceeding good. A clear night when all the stars are out, you see them all hanging up in heaven. You can't help but to look up into those, into the universe, and see all those stars, and say, "Man, a world without God would be utter chaos. No order, no true meaning, no real purpose. No, there's a God, and He's specific. He knows exactly what He's doing." And He's God. He reigns sovereignly in our hearts and we thank and praise Him for that. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I pray that you are not a fool this morning, but that you would with your heart confess Him. Believe unto righteousness and confess Him with your mouth so that He might be your God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for, Lord, thy word. We thank you, Lord, how it clears up things, helps us to understand, Lord, the ways of the world, the sinner. Helps us to understand what we're going through when we walk through this pilgrimage in this world. It helps us, Lord, to find refuge and comfort in you. Father, as the psalmist said, Lord, the wicked seek to eat up the people of God like bread. Lord, they seek to oppress us and persecute us and afflict us. Yet, Lord, I pray that You'd strengthen our hearts and our minds. Help us, Lord God, we pray, to ever be faithful to You. Help us to proclaim a Gospel that is biblical, that is true. Lord, we pray that You'd be honored and glorified in all these things. And Lord, we pray that You'd save that fool who thinks in his heart there is no God. May You open up their hearts and their minds to the truth. Lord, may You be honored and glorified in their salvation.